One problem facing people at many levels of business is how to make time for a work life and a personal life. Do you find that one seems to keep getting in the way of the other? This is the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. Even if you're not involved in the business world, you'll have a lot to gain by tuning in to today's show. Now, here is your host, Rick Morris. And welcome to another edition of the Work-Life Balance on this Friday afternoon. So glad everybody's joining us and uh, look forward to a fantastic show. Uh, next week, just to, to forewarn you, I am going to go to a replay next week and finally take a break. I'm going to actually do a little travel, see a little bit uh, of the United States, get in my car, get out of this house. I think everybody's ready to uh, uh, start to open up a little bit here. So I'm going to do that next week. But uh, stay tuned, though, because we've got we're actually booked up all the way through the end of September now and just some phenomenal guests. We got some great surprises that are coming. And speaking of phenomenal guests, let's get to our guest this week. She's the founder and CEO of Nourishment Vitality and has been involved with the health and wellness space for over 20 years. She's an internationally trained and certified mind, body, nutrition, and wellness practitioner, and also an expert in stress relief management and conscious relationships. She's a graduate of multiple programs and courses, and we, we can't wait to have her on. Let's welcome Cheryl Puterman to the show. How are you, Cheryl? Hey, how are you, Rick? It's lovely to be here with you all this evening, and I hope everybody is well and healthy. And I'm speaking to you here from Israel and my evening time. Yeah, I was going to say, what time is it there? It's now actually 12 p.m. 12 p.m., okay. So uh, so it's middle of the day or, or 12 a.m.? Uh, sorry, 12 a.m., I mean. So it's midnight, <laughs> so you're, you're yeah, rocking exactly. a party with us. So, I am. I wow, am. Yeah, to, I'm here for the party. Way, way to stay up with us. We appreciate that. So talk to us a little bit about how you got into this industry. What led you to health and wellness and, and really stress? And I really want to dive in on the stress stuff, especially now in, in these current times. It's so relevant in today's current times, absolutely. So Rick, you know, I've actually been studying metaphysical sciences since my teenage years and the healing sciences ever since my teenage years. This has always been my passion. I also studied beauty and cosmetology and skin and body care therapies. And I had my own business running for many years. And it was actually my own life adversities. Uh, my family and I are survivors of the 2004 Asian tsunami. Wow. And it was this um, traumatic life changing event for me that was the leading catalyst that led me to my studies on the science of stress, the healing power of breath. And later on, this continued with nutritional psychology and the fascinating connection between mind and body, which I've always been fascinated with. So this was actually the background of why I do what I do and why I founded Nourishment Vitality Coaching, where our mission is to help so many people overcome their life stressors, their fatigue, and also bad eating habits and uh, weight management, all very relevant today. And at Nourishment Vitality, we actually offer online, co online courses, which you can do in the comfort of your own home. And it's so appropriate now with everything that's going on in terms of our new social distancing protocols as well as uh, corporate workshops and personal coaching background um, and, and programs as well. But I've learned in my life as well that the more one actually teaches themselves to relax into life's experiences and into life's uncertainties, the easier things become. Because as we all know right now, with um, so many people having to face uncertainty with their 
with their life, with their career, with their relationship. This brings up a lot of emotions and a lot of stress for so many people. And a lot of people have just had their emotions all over the show right now. And it makes perfect sense considering what's going on in the world today. And it's a fascinating study. I've been on a a personal uh, development journey over the last, you know, eight to 10 years, really. And but what's been fascinating to me is really the power of the mind and how the body works. Uh, I had the, the pleasure of spending time with Dr. Daniel Amen, who's one of the leading people in, in the United States around brain health and, and understanding not only just how your brain functions and how to cure your brain, but what you take in, the food that you take in and how you treat your brain and, and those types of things. Um, and so it's fascinating to me, especially as we start to look at mental health. Um, that's, that's definitely the, the conversation's been around a long time. I think, I think with the forced uh, confinement that everybody's in, it's becoming an even larger issue that people are discussing. Um, just mental health itself, current circumstances, how that, how that stress really hits you. So um, these emotions that people are feeling being cooped up, ready to get out, I'm feeling it, I'm ready to get on the road and, and at least get some windshield time in. Um, but people end up feeling pretty vulnerable and, and uncertain. So wh- what is your take on, on that situation? Well, again, you know, many of us have had our emotions all over the show. One day we may be feeling okay about it, the next day really low. So it's, it, it really, one has sparks and lows with all of this happening right now, especially due to the fact that we all face so much major stress and uncertainty about the future right now. You know, many of us have had to suddenly pivot to change our previous plans and to do so without any guarantees, which brings to the surface many emotions and a lot of fears for a lot of people. And at the end of the day, um, you know, myself having experienced challenges with uncertainty for so many years because of the, the um, experience that I had with the tsunami, I was actually always looking to the future, always wanting to know what the next moment is going to bring because I faced my most dangerous moment on holiday. And that's just not how life works. We are, uncertainty is not a new concept for us as human beings, but every decision that we make, whether be it whether it's in life, whether it's in business, is going to be made with some degree of uncertainty. There are no guarantees in life. And uh, uh, because of everything that's happening right now and so much uncertainty, the level of fear has escalated tremendously around this topic. And, uh, you know, I believe so much that so often in life we're living um, more in our fears than actually in our lives. And in actual fact, we're living in, in response to what we are essentially afraid of. And fear is often dictating how our lives unfold. It can be fear of failure, fear of the future, fear of not being good enough, fear of not achieving. But how you internalize this fear and either run from it, hide from it, or learn from it can really have a significant effect on how your life can unfold. And so our our relationship with uncertainty is more challenged now than ever. And I believe that that our mindset towards uncertainty needs to heal. And the more we improve our mindset towards uncertainty, the more we can actually take healthy risks and make these decisions, even with this degree of uncertainty and failure that may present itself. Because it's really hard to make, to take healthy risks in in decisions when fear is driving your decision-making. So relaxing into life circumstances, no matter what they are, is going to help you 
face the next step with more confidence and competence. And, uh, and things become easier then when you face things with a more relaxed state of mind. Not always easy, but definitely necessary. I don't know if it's the case in Israel, but yeah, I can talk to the United States here. Uh, fear, I, I get, is certainly a driver, right? Fear is certainly something that's that's there. And so, generally, in fear, I know what I what I try to do is educate. When when I'm fearful, when when I don't know something, I want to go get educated and and find the truth. Unfortunately, you know, we have a political system in the United States as well as a media in the United States that thrives on fear. In fact, you know, I I, I feel like most of the time they're telling every American what to fear and how to fear it versus, you know, what's coming down the path. And, and uh, so I was just wondering if you're, if you kind of experienced the same thing, certainly around COVID and a lot of these things that to me, it's hard for me to separate fact and fiction and get to the truth because everybody's just telling me I should be scared about it. I should be right. Um, what do you, what do you do uh, when, when dealing with, with those types of fears? How do you go about kind of handling those fears? I think that, that facts always calm one down and it's very necessary, especially in times like, we, like we're in right now, to understand the facts and to know the facts and to take the necessary precautions. I think, though, that there needs to be a healthy level of how much social media, how, how much you actually take in so that you can actually self-regulate and self-soothe your own nervous system. Because when we go into total fear and total panic, what happens is... We, our nervous systems are working on overdrive and we cannot think, think rationally and we cannot make uh, rational decisions. We need to calm ourselves down. And the way to calm oneself down is sometimes to learn how to step back just that little bit so that you can self-soothe, self-regulate, and then you can take a step forward and understand and actually see the facts for what they are. Because when we're so driven by fear, we, our fears are often exaggerated. And they become even more so exaggerated when we obsess over them. So take a step back and breathe, essentially? Or, or how, how, how do you set that, that healthy limit in social media? How do you know? How do you know? You know by becoming aware of, of stress. The first thing of anything is to become aware. Right? So you have to become aware of how your, how your body feels and how you react and where you're feeling more panicked, more shut down, and how stress is actually affecting the body. Because our emotional feelings affect our physical well-being as well. So the emotional passes into the physical. So what happens is that uh, when the body goes into a stress response, so much happens in the body. And and not only does your digestion uh, suffer and your metabolism shuts down, you can't think clearly, you get more headaches, you get brain fog, etc. So to become super aware of how stress is affecting your body so that you can then take actionable steps about what to do. In other words, become aware of it validate your emotions without becoming lost in it. When you become more self-aware, you become the authority in your life. You become your best advocate. You get to control your emotions before your emotions control you. And I think we're in a really good time um, with COVID because there's been a forced reduction of distraction in the sense that, you know, if you look at a normal busy life and work-life balance, and if you got kids, there's, you know, sports and in school, and there's all the things that, that you end up occupying yourself with. And now, 
with, with all of that taken away, you're kind of forced to deal with yourself. So we've got about two minutes of break. And uh, what I want to make sure that, that people understand is, is what we can do about that. So to kind of tease what we're head, where we're heading in the next segment, I really want to get into what's the relationship between stress and nutrition and well-being and, and give some real big tips uh, to, to the audience there. But is there a quick tip or first thing that kind of comes to your mind um, now that you're, we, we've limited some of these distractions to what somebody can do very quickly to, to start to center themselves? The first thing that anybody can do and the most accessible thing to any human being is to tap into our breathing. Breathing is the cornerstone of stress management. And so, and it's accessible to every human being. It's free. So to become really aware of the way one is breathing and to practice deep conscious breathing, that will always relax the body in seconds and, and minutes. And you can actually regain uh, calm just through counting your breath. So simply to inhale, count to four and exhale, count to four is going to help tremendously. And thank you for that tip. So when we come back, we're going to really dive in, though, into that relationship between stress, nutrition, and well-being. And we're going to do that with Cheryl Peterman. You're listening to Rick Morris on the Work-Life Balance. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. Are you aware that 80% of project management executives do not know how their projects align with their company's business strategy? Are you aware that businesses identified capturing time and costs against projects as their biggest project management challenge? Are you aware that 44% of project managers use no software, even though PricewaterhouseCoopers found that the use of commercially available project management software increases performance and satisfaction? Now, imagine that you could have the ease of entry like a spreadsheet and a software tool set up and running within two to four weeks. Imagine within two weeks being able to see clearly where all of your resource conflicts are. Well, you don't have to imagine because PDWare has already created it. PDWare can give you real-time access to KPIs, easily updated views of what your teams are working on, and immediate feedback to some of project management's toughest questions, like, when can we start this project? What happens if we delay this project? Can we do this in time? How does this new project impact our current portfolio? Find us at pdware.com and imagine not manually compiling endless reports again. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now back to the Work-Life Balance. And we're back to the Work-Life Balance. On this Friday afternoon, we're visiting with Cheryl Puterman. Uh, Cheryl is uh, the CEO of Nourishment Vitality. 
And uh, we're talking about now we're going to get into the relationship between stress, nutrition, and well-being. So Cheryl, can you give us some insights on how to manage the stress and the relationship with our eating habits? And, and I'm definitely leaning in on this part. Absolutely, Rick. Uh, looking forward to, to speaking about this. I'm very passionate about this topic. You know, how we eat more than just what we eat can often reflect what's going on with us in our lives. Food can affect our mood in a very big way. So what do nutrition, what do stress, what do our personal well-being, showing up as our, as our best selves, have to actually do with one another? I just want to dive a little deeper here into the connection between mind-body nutrition, which is really exploring how we digest, how we assimilate and calorie burn, and all the nutritive functions of the body, how those are impacted by our mind, by emotions, and by our lifestyle. So basically with mind-body nutrition, it's the psychophysiology of how our thoughts, our feelings, our beliefs, stress relaxation, pleasure, awareness, and, and of course so much more, directly influence the way we metabolize a meal. It also directly influences the way we calorie burn. So in other words, what we eat is only half the story of good nutrition. The other half is who we are as eaters. And more often and most often, what we see with new diets and nutritional systems, they focus on rearranging the foods on our plate. We're told eat more of this, eat some less of that, include this, take this away, take more supplements, etc. But our, motion, our emotions always affect our physical. And there's always a good reason based either on, in psychology or in biology on our patterns and behaviors. So generally speaking, you know, there could be a number of, of challenges that uh, people may be facing right now, whether it's with stress, whether it's with, with fatigue, whether it's with bad eating habits, whether it's with weight management, whatever it is, at the end of the day, what's really important is that we get to the root cause of the problem so that one can truly course correct and have that sustainable change. Now, during a time of tremendous stress like this, what I see so many of my clients, uh, uh, you know, turning to me for help and so many people reaching out to me and saying to me, you know, they're comfort eating now more than ever. They're turning to food for comfort now more than ever, and they stress eating. And stress eating, we know, is often also referred to emotional eating. Of course, this is triggered by stress. It's a coping mechanism. And it actually makes perfect sense that, you know, one would, would turn to something that they've internalized as a form of comfort over and over again. It's become a habit um, in order to comfort and self-soothe oneself. And the problem is that when it comes to eating habits right now, so many people just wish that if only I had more willpower. If only I had more willpower, I could stick with this new diet. If only I had more willpower, I could follow this healthy eating plan. It's very common. And in fact, willpower has very little to do with why you eat the way you eat, why you behave the way you behave. In fact, the willpower myth is a very interesting topic. It's a, it's a big topic. But emotional eating can be triggered to cope with our stresses, with our big changes, or again, to simply satisfy our emotional needs. But what's the first step? The same as with our stress. The first step is to become aware of your thoughts, to ask yourself, okay, 
If you're finding that you're going to the fridge after you've actually just eaten a proper big meal and you're still going to the fridge a few minutes later or half an hour later and you're going for that tub of ice cream or that junk food, simply ask yourself, what's going on with me? What am I truly craving? What am I really hungry for? Is this a physical hunger or is it an emotional hunger? All you need to do right now at this point is simply notice. Now, this, this, this actually requires that you tap into your inner observer. But anything, whether it's stress, whether it's with a self-sabotaging behavior, be it with food or anything else, validate the way you're feeling. Our first step is to validate our emotions. Become aware and validate our emotions. And when you're feeling sad or stressed, or anxious, or lonely. Process that emotion. What we tend to do in this uh, society that we live in today, which is rushed for the most part, which is pushing us for the most part, we, we, we tend to not listen to our emotions, to, to push down our, our negative emotions, and to suppress it. So instead of trying to hide our emotions, rather I suggest to everybody to recognize our emotions, to process them, think about them, and actually just simply in your mind create a checklist of what's going on with me. Is it connection that I'm craving? Is it touch? Is it that I'm simply zoned out? Or is it that I'm actually physically hungry? Because sometimes maybe you haven't had enough calories earlier on in the day, and this can cause one to binge eat or stress eat later on. So simply create that checklist of what's going on for you. But if you find that you're actually craving connection and you keep going to that tub of ice cream for that, for that connection and you're not doing anything about it, in other words, you're not calling a friend. Even in this time of social distancing, you can pick up the phone and call. Or, you know, so many times we're so busy on our telephones that we don't actually have eye contact with with the people that we're sitting across the table from, and we can feel lonely. So notice and understand what's going on so that you can take those steps to course correct and then answer that question, what is it that I'm really craving for? And that simple exercise can help you uncover the deeper underlying message and wisdom behind your emotions because our food story really matters and there's so much wisdom simply in our food story as well. And one of the points I always emphasize is that no matter what's going on with your eating habits or your uh, self-sabotaging behaviors is that we should always lean in with a conscious curiosity and very importantly, compassion for where you're at. So lean in so that you can relax into the experience instead of stressing into where you're at. What I find so often is that we try to shame ourselves into transformation. But at the end of the day, we need to embrace the bodies that we have in order to have the bodies that we want. So in order to have the bodies that you want, you have to want the body that you've got. You've got to start where you're at, wherever you're at. Lean in with a conscious curiosity and compassion. Start there and begin to embrace where you're at and love yourself into the transformation instead of hating yourself into the transformation or shaming yourself into the transformation. Because that way, you get there in a way that actually can create that sustainable change. Because too often we, 
we, we try to, to restrict ourselves too much and we get back to square one. That strategy would have worked. It would have worked already. Yeah, that's true. So speaking of that um, and coming through, um, we, we had a question come in from the audience though, but how does, how does all that affect sleep as well? And is it, is it one affects the other more or does sleep affect the, the, the binge eating and that kind of stuff more what, or, or even stress, right? What's the relationship with sleep through all of this? Our eating rhythms um, can affect uh, our, our binging patterns, absolutely. So our circadian rhythms, for sure. So as far as how can that affect your sleep, I think it's really important that people become aware of how late it is that they're having that last meal, and especially if that meal is, is, has got sugars in or caffeine in it, to, to really not have that later on in the evening if possible. Um, because this can affect your sleep if you eat a meal too late. You know, sometimes we, we eat our meals very late, but it can actually affect the quality of one's sleep. So I would say that at least one or two hours before sleep, not to have a heavy meal. But if you do feel that you need some kind thing, something to kind of uh, satiate yourself or you're feeling hungry, to go for a lighter meal to just... Uh, feel that that comfort that you need to to calm yourself down and to fall into your into a deeper sleep but not to have anything that's too full of sugar because that's going to affect your your quality of sleep and um also very importantly is to to not scroll through the phone before you go to sleep as well people do this without realizing that that they're doing that watching tv too much before you go to sleep to keep the, the to start to turn off the lights earlier on. And as I mentioned earlier on, to practice deep conscious breathing can really help one to simply when you're lying down, do a body scan. In other words, what does it mean to do a body scan? From the top of your head to the tips of your toes, go through each body part, your, your forehead, your eyes, your nose, your shoulders and just relax each body part as you consciously take an inhale and an exhale and you'll be surprised how that just deeply relaxes the body and helps you to fall asleep and have a good night's sleep and even that relaxation affects the way that we learn i, uh, I got a chance to to go through something with dr paul Sheely where uh, it, was, it was photo reading. It's really working on the subconscious and conscious brain <clears throat> work together. But in order to absorb what it is that we're about to do, we need to get into a, a state. So he he does a, a number walk back, right? So envisioning and, and attaching uh, emotions and feelings and everything to not only a visual place in our brain, but to a number so that we actually, when we're laying down or trying to relax, I can go to three, two, and one. And that one is my super safe space. And that's when I'm ready. And it's amazing how much that works when, when you really do. Um, a lot of people will look at that and go, that's just hooey or whatever, right? But, but when you really invest and understand how the brain works and how you can visualize that, then, then it does phenom uh, phenomenal work in, in calming you down. We're going to take another quick break right here, and we'll be back with Cheryl Puterman. You're listening to Rick Morris on the Work-Life Balance.
the work-life balance. We like to ask simple questions to our executives and portfolio managers. Are you picking your projects based on what the organization can spend, or is it based on what your resources can realistically achieve? This question, if not answered properly, can cause great strain on your staff, limiting the return on investment. When creating project selection criteria, does your organization attempt to understand the amount of resources needed to complete the work? Is this done in spreadsheets or at a high level? What if we told you there was a simple and easy solution that was built with resource planning in mind? We call it Resource First from PDWare. Resource First was built with resource planning as its foundation. We have years of experience that proves before a company fine-tunes its project and portfolio management processes. Without a process for resource planning, the best processes and algorithms can fall flat. Resources should be first when deciding the strategy of taking an organization forward. Find out more at PDWare.com. PDWare.com. Put your people first with Resource First from PDWare. Join us at PDWare.com. Are you getting the most out of your project management software? In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the Work-Life Balance. And we're back to the Work-Life Balance on this Friday afternoon. We're talking with Cheryl Puterman, who's the founder and CEO of Nourishment Vitality. Last segment, we got an opportunity to understand the relationship between stress, nutrition, and well-being. But let's uh, let's turn this just a little bit and start talking about, you know, obviously the world has changed for a, a lot of people. Um, for, for me, I've been working for, for home from home since 2005. Um, so when all of this went and everybody's going home, it was... It was really no different, no change for me, but so many people now are working from home and it's the first time they're dealing with that. And not only that, but the kids are home generally and you're having to homeschool them and, you know, everybody's around. Uh, so how would you describe a, a healthy work-life balance and, and cultivating healthier habits in, into one's day, especially in this new normal that we have? Well, it's a great question and a very necessary question right now with work-life balance, with so much change and so many more people now working from home. One must take a work-life balance very seriously. You know, suddenly, as you mentioned, we're at home, we're either alone with our partners, with our families, and that has and will continue to change and define the way we communicate and our relationships with each other. So for a lot of us, we will need to adapt to this new reality in our lives. You've been working at home since 2005, so you're used to it. But for a lot of people, they will have to adapt to this new reality in, in their lives. And we need to keep ourselves in balance both mentally and physically and continue with 
or develop healthy habits intentionally. I mentioned the word intentionally because it's very important that we understand that we need to be intentional about actually developing these healthy habits that will increase our personal and our work productivity. There has to be also, having said that at the end of the day, a balance between what you do and feeling fulfilled, which means finding the balance even within your work so that you can focus and make the most of your time. And not only that, really feel good and feel happy about the work that you're doing in this world. And if you're lucky enough to be fulfilling your passions, that's great. It's not a given that we do work in, in, in life that we land up fulfilling our passions, but at least that one can actually feel good about the work that they're doing uh, in the world to find that balance. Because in that way, you will succeed both at the end of the day on a monetary level as well as on a personal level of success and even on a level of spiritual success. And I always like to explain keeping a balance in our lives by using an analogy of managing a balanced bank account, say, for example. You can make enough deposits to prevent it from becoming overdrawn. The penalty for being overdrawn will be stress, anxiety, uncertainty, worry, less focus and less uh, efficiency overall. But the more deposits you make from being aligned with yourself and your innate needs, such as sleep, eating healthy foods, exercise and rest to replenish and rejuvenate one's mind and body, that's when you're going to find more balance. Because it's all about the balance at the end of the day. And yeah, Rick, what I've learned over time that the most balanced approach to living a more stress-free life is moderation. Moderation meaning not to overindulge and not to over-restrict, not to, not to be too uh, extreme in one's mindset either. We need to be more moderate. And I think it's really important to establish these boundaries for work-life balance. Perhaps you get stressed out if you don't check your work email throughout the evening and on weekends. And then perhaps you do get stressed out when you, when you do check it as well. So if that's the case, establishing boundaries will help you create that balance and, 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 make your, and create more healthy um, lifestyle for yourself, leading to a healthier state of mind. So I, how would that actually look? How would you create these healthier uh, boundaries and establish these boundaries? Example, make it a rule, say, not to look at your emails past uh, 8 p.m. on weeknights, not to look at your emails at all, for example, on one day of the weekend, or simply don't, uh, you know, commit that you're not going to answer the phone during dinner time. How many times when during dinner are we sitting and we're scrolling through our phone or we're answering our phone? When you eat, sit down and just eat or spend that time with your family. So I think it's really important to try out these different options and then find out what works for you creating that uh, healthy work-life balance. Because whether we like it or not, it's our health, it's our well-being that's going to enable us to continue to thrive and hit that, that next level. And if we don't take care of that at the end of the day, in essence, we're leaving money on the table. Eventually, we'll hit a wall. So we need to be able to deal with that and be intentional in creating a work-life balance that works. And this is individual for each person testing and trying out what actually works for them and what doesn't. Um, but I think it's really important to be intentional about creating work-life balance. It's very important. Well, and, and, and there's two things that I kind of want to recap on, on what you said there. Number one, 
um, I work with a lot of coaches and, and, and a lot of people that, that help other people, but we can't give what we don't have. A lot of times we allow ourselves to deplete so fully that, the, that we're depleting ourselves. And, and so the analogy for me is the cup runneth over on that one. You, mm. you, you don't allow people to drink from your cup. Your cup needs to be full, but what you need to be is so full that the, the water's overrunning and they can drink from that, right? It's, it's making sure that we're not depleting ourselves, but it was interesting about boundaries is the, the other thing that's been coming up quite a bit in, in a lot of the conversations is that uh, people feel like they're working more because they're working from home because the boundary of the office, the nine to five or whatever, you know, times that you go in the, the, because those boundaries are gone and anybody can reach you now at the house and in there, they're used to doing that, that nine to five is kind of uh, blending into time to the point of dinner time and family time and those types of things. So do you have like a quick technique from a, a boundary setting perspective uh, of being able to handle maybe a conversation with, with somebody at work to say, Hey, listen, I, I know I'm at home, but I'm still nine to five here. You know, I, I am separating and walking away and being able to set a boundary that you can follow through. Absolutely. Firstly, um, as you said, with the cup as, as uh, you know, uh, making sure that you, that you fall first so that you can give to other people. That's where it's very really important to be able to create that boundary, to rest, to replenish, to restore your own energy. Having that conversation with somebody else, um, I always like to start with something positive, to say to somebody, you know, I really appreciate your enthusiasm or you're wanting to get a hold of me right now. But I think it's really important that uh, – that I also have this time for myself to draw back, to rest and replenish so that I can think about this more clearly. And uh, these are my guidelines right now that I've created. I'm only going to be uh, working until such a, such a, uh, a time. And to really create that work culture within your team, even though, even though we're all working from home right now, but to keep to that, that healthy work culture that... Uh, doesn't overstep one's boundaries because people can't make those very important decisions if they can't focus and they, if they're stressed. If they're stressed, they can't focus. So it's becoming aware of how you focus best at certain times of the day. There are some people that do focus better in the evening times. So if you know that that works for you, then create that within your, within your day. But uh, if you feel that that doesn't work for you, then you need to have that conversation. Be okay with putting down those boundaries and with saying no in a healthy way to certain things. And so speaking of that, in, in terms of times of focus and that kind of stuff, and I was actually just trying to, to remember the name of this book, but uh, Dan Pink, uh, yeah, when? The, the Scientific Secrets of Perfect Timing. Have you, have you heard any of that? So basically... Um, based on your sleep pattern, when you go to bed and, and, and when you wake up, whatever that median time is, uh, puts you into a category of either a lark or, or, or a night owl. And it talks about when you're better analytically in your brain versus when you're more creative in your brain and how, how those were. So basically, there's a peak, there's a trough, and then a recovery. And based on how your individual body does that peak, you know, in, in trough and recovery, learning how to, is the one thing that most people don't think through is their calendars. So it's, it's somebody calls and says, I need time. And you go, yeah, I got three o'clock on Friday open. Let's go. But, but what we don't ever ask is like, what kind of brain do I need to be bringing? Is this administrative where I'm making quick decisions? Is this creative where I'm really doing some deep thought? 
and need to tap into that creativity level um, and learning how to schedule kind of the right meeting at the right time. Have you done any kind of studies with that or seen any, any work around that type of, of, of thought pattern? What, what I do see over and over again and what I teach uh, is that, again, when, you know, through certain uh, patterns and techniques, how you can bring in that self-awareness. When you are aware of how it is that you're showing up at different times of the day, then you can start to take those steps. Become aware. Simply notice. Become aware of when you are more alert during the day. And I always say to people to not only when they're figuring out the calendars and everything, put in, do this, do this, do that. Also start to focus on a stop doing list. There's so many things that we do that are unnecessary that are taking our focus away. And we're not even aware of it. It's often unconscious. So we have to bring our consciousness into ourselves and into our habits and into the things that we do. I believe it's very closely connected to our habits and into our unconscious habits and uh, becoming super aware of who we are and the way we, it is that we're showing up at throughout the day and when we are more creative when we are more strategic I, for example uh, my, my most creative time is in the morning I do some breathing techniques a little bit of meditation and that's when I take paper to pen and I tap into my most creative self and uh, later on in the daytime I feel I'm a little bit duller and so I don't book uh, major meetings for that time of the day so it's becoming really aware and this is also through trial and error and you're going to you know people will see a pattern that forms over time and uh, one can track that pattern and then figure out a way of what works for them because each person is and our bodies and our minds we all work individually different but i agree it, it starts with awareness i mean awareness is where all of the you have to be open to a new idea, to also be aware to a new idea to try something, right? So if somebody says, oh, this is what I do, and you immediately close your brain, right? You're, you're not ready for change. You're not thinking of change. You're not thinking of, of or being aware of, of whatever that is that you're trying to change, whether it's eating habit, whether it's how you treat people at work or those kinds of things. It's really an awakening I, I see, and I get to see it with a lot of people, and I went through it myself. There was things that I did on a daily basis that I was completely unaware what that I was doing until I was able to, to sit with myself and become aware. So we, I, I definitely agree with that. We're going to take our final break right here. We'll be back with our final segment with uh, Cheryl Peterman and you're listening to Rick Morris on the work-life balance. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America business network. Are you aware that 80% of project management executives do not know how their projects align with their company's business strategy? Are you aware that businesses identified capturing time and costs against projects as their biggest project management challenge? Are you aware that 44% of project managers use no software, even though PricewaterhouseCoopers found that the use of commercially available project management software increases performance and satisfaction? Now, imagine that you could have the ease of entry like a spreadsheet and a software tool set up and running within two to four weeks. 
Imagine within two weeks being able to see clearly where all of your resource conflicts are. Well, you don't have to imagine because PDWare has already created it. PDWare can give you real-time access to KPIs, easily updated views of what your teams are working on, and immediate feedback to some of project management's toughest questions, like, when can we start this project? What happens if we delay this project? Can we do this in time? How does this new project impact our current portfolio? Find us at pdware.com and imagine not manually compiling endless reports again. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now back to the Work-Life Balance. And welcome back to our final segment of the Work-Life Balance on this Friday afternoon, visiting with Cheryl Peterman. And, and Cheryl, you, uh, first of all, how do people get in touch with you? And I believe you have an online course that uh, you, you can tell people about. Let us know about that. Uh, people can get in touch with me through my website at, at www.cherylputterman.com. That's Cheryl with an S, S-H-E-R-Y-L. P-U-T-E-R-M-A-N, CherylPutterman.com. And uh, I have an online course out there um, on stress eating, binge eating, and overeating. And um, right now, we are actually launching, because of the crisis, a special on the, uh, uh, for this course. So if anybody um, is interested in that, they can go to the website and find out about that. And uh, the course is how to overcome stress eating, overeating, binge eating through a seven-phase system using my PCP approach. And it's a carefully curated system that actually takes you through this uh, step by step so that you can actually create that sustainable change that one is looking for at the end of the day. Because here's the deal with stress eating, the deeper underlying reasons driving the desire to eat, even when your body isn't hungry, overrides your cognitive part of the brain. It does create a powerful behavioral cycle. And there is a logical reason why the brain does this to you. It is something that you can change once you become more aware of the reason why you're personally experiencing the struggle with self-sabotaging behaviors, with unhealthy choices. So when you learn those key faces, which we deal with in the course, to break the cycle from understanding your triggers, living in the moment, developing the thought awareness, you're then ready to finally stop these stress patterns in its tracks and experience these long-lasting results. I mean, I truly believe that it's time for a smarter Approach with our nutritional habits and a smarter approach on how to stop the stress eating. And I just want to mention that there's a lot of jokes online right now through the pandemic about 
uh, people gaining weight and um, it's actually might be well intended, but it can, it's actually causing, and I've seen with people speaking to me about this, uh, a lot of shame with people about uh, their behaviors. And um, so to just be aware of that as well, because, you know, at the end of the day, despite a $500 billion global diet industry, interestingly enough, the world is still gaining weight and people are living unhealthy and unbalanced lives. So it is definitely time for a smarter approach and definitely my why, this was a struggle of mine as well. I developed this online course, which, uh, you know, it consists of micro learning video modules and um, audios and PDF worksheets and exercises and transcripts so that people can make the notes and create that real change that they need to go through that sustainable change and lasting results. Um, in the long run to truly transform and heal their relationship, not only with food, but with body and with themselves. And can you describe or, or just say what the words uh, of PCP means? Because in the United States, that's a powerful hallucinogenic drug. So oh, wow. <laughs> it's kind of a slang term, but you're not suggesting people go to hallucinate. So what is PCP? It's pride. Firstly, taking pride in who you are as a human being. Compassion, we bring a lot of compassion into our practices all the time. I teach this all the time. I teach a kind mindfulness. And it is making that promise, that commitment, but it's making that promise to yourself, committing to yourself to follow through what you intend to do. And all the way you have an accountability partner and uh, private groups where you can actually speak through these challenges that one goes through and take that deeper dive diving into the heart of the matter so that you can truly course correct. So pride, compassion, and that promise to yourself. No, no, no drugs involved. <laughs> but I do love that you've, you have an accountability partner. I mean, studies show that if you have an accountability partner and you're making public and voluntary commitments to, to them that, that are personal, that you have more chance of following through when you tell somebody and you have somebody holding you accountable than if you're just telling yourself. So I think that's fantastic. Um, what's some of the best advice you've ever received? The best advice I've ever received um, is that the biggest antidote for feeling low and feeling depressed is to go out and do some sort of service, some sort of service for somebody else. When you show empathy and you helping somebody else, you're in essence also helping yourself. So I've experienced in my life, and I'm sure many people that are listening have experienced in theirs as well, that when you Give from the heart, you truly get for the heart. So always giving with 100% of all of who you are to receive in return. Uh, that's fantastic. And uh, what about just some final words of advice to our audience? Final words of advice, show up, get up during this time. Uh, when one is stuck at home a lot, sometimes we spend time more often than not, watching too much television, what have you, get up every day, show up, get dressed, commit to yourself. And uh, even if you're not used to working from home, get dressed, show up. And if you are creating a new way of life for yourself, start to take those actionable steps. You can, there's so much that one can do right now, um, whether it's learn a new skill, um, whether it's uh, create some more, um, organization in your home. So whatever it is that you're doing, start to get it done because knowing 
is one part of the equation. Doing is the other. So start to do so that you can actually take those steps to getting things done and getting things moving. Well, Cheryl, we thank you so much for joining us today and staying up late, right? It's, it's now almost 1 a.m. there. so uh, It is, and I'm wide awake. <laughs> yeah, right, and, and, and talking about having those healthy boundaries and work life, and then you're staying up at midnight to, to hang out with us. So we certainly appreciate your time and, and your knowledge, and we'd love to have you back at some point. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. It was lovely. Thank you, Rick. Thank you. And for the rest of the audience, uh, just a couple of other quick announcements uh, for you. If you have not joined us on the PM Tribe, I'm super excited about uh, this new service for my project management uh, audience out there, change management, portfolio management. It's literally six world-class speakers that have come together to build a foundation to be able to not only do one-on-one -on -one mentoring, but to really create new thought patterns and, and utilize a community we realized that in a lot of our communities in PMI and in, in some of these other services, that sometimes it's still not a safe space to talk. We wanted to be able to create a community where you could come in and simply say, I'm having this issue at work. I'm having this issue with this stakeholder, whatever that may be, and be able to talk to people that have been there, done that, and certainly will not judge. And it's certainly a safe space. Uh, so you can check us out. We're at uh, thepmtribe.com. And uh, we have a huge uh, announcement that we just made yesterday for the PM Tribe Live, where all six of us will be uh, live uh, on June uh, 30th, presenting brand new material that none of us have ever done before. So it's fresh material and uh, excited about that. So you can join us at the PM Tribe Live uh, and you can find that by going to live.thepmtribe.com. Otherwise, again, next week, I'm going to be taking a, a little bit of a breather. We're going to do a replay. And uh, after that, we'll have Travis Bell coming up on June the 12th, as well as Vlad Edelman coming up on June the 19th. So we're really excited about these guests. Uh, we've got a lot of fantastic information. We love you guys for hanging on. Reach out to me via social media at Rick A. Morris on Twitter or Rick A. Morris on Facebook or LinkedIn. Um, love getting your questions and comments and appreciate you guys so much for really uh, staying here and staying with us uh, really for the past almost five years now, uh, believe it or not. But uh, after that, we'll uh, go ahead and close out this Friday edition of the Work-Life Balance. We love all of you. Keep uh, trucking. We hope that you live your own work-life balance. We'll talk to you again in two weeks. Thank you for joining us this week. The Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now that the weekend is here, it's time to rethink your priorities and enjoy it. We'll see you on our next show. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. 
Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Business news and discussions are always changing. In order to stay ahead of the game, sometimes you need to be a follower. You